Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 9 today. We are continuing our series, Seven Signs, the Miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And today is number six, and that is the sixth sign that Jesus did where he healed a man born blind. And again, I remind you of why John wrote his gospel in John 20, verse 30. Uh, The Bible says Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. And so that's why he wrote this gospel. That's why we're looking at the signs. All right, I think I've got a special graphic for you today. Go ahead and throw that up if you have it. And I hope they have it. It is a colorblind test. Don't have it? Oh, man. Okay, well, I had this cool little colorblind test. None of you can see it. You're all colorblind. Okay, but anyway, it's a cool colorblind test that you can look at online. And it has these circles of all these colored dots. And you look, and there's a number, and you have to see what the number is. And uh, if you're colorblind, you might have trouble seeing some of the numbers. And I've learned when I looked at this that there's about 300 million people in the world that are colorblind. Uh, the way it shakes out, 1 in 12 men are colorblind. That's about 8% of the population. And 1 in 200 women are colorblind. That's like a half a percent of the population. So ladies, when the guys say they can't distinguish between the the navy blue and black socks, they really mean it, okay? (laughs) They really mean it. But uh, think about what it means to be colorblind for just a minute. Uh, You function fine. Uh, You might not even know that you're colorblind. And you don't even know what that means. You don't realize what you're missing when you walk outside and and see the colors. Sure, you see the trees. Sure, you see the flowers. But you may not see all the vibrant colors that other people see. So you really have no idea what you're missing. And yet you're missing something that is obvious to everyone around you. And that's kind of what spiritual blindness is like. You can function in life. Um... And you don't notice the blindness to your own condition. We go through life ignorant of the depths and the extent of our sin because we don't see it. And sin is like that. Sin is deceptive. Sin is blinding. It deceives us and it blinds us to the truth. The longer we sin, the less we see how ugly it really is. And... um, You think about that. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. And what you're going to see in this story today is you're going to see a man that was born blind, okay, that had never seen the light of day, and Jesus heals him. And not only does he heal him physically, but this guy is no longer spiritually blind either. And ironically, a man that's born blind that is healed and receives his sight teaches us about spiritual blindness. So look, if you will, in John 9, we'll pick up the story there in verse 1. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. 
his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sit. And so he left, washed, and came back seeing. What's interesting to me is how God, uh, how the Lord did this miracle. Because let's be honest, Jesus is the Lord of life. All he had to do was say the word, and the guy could have been healed. Uh, Adrian Rogers has a funny take on this because I heard a sermon of his years ago where he was talking about there were three people that were blind in the Bible that Jesus healed, and each one he did a different way. Okay, This one, you know, he put mud on his eyes, and the other two he did a different way. And he says, can't you just see three kinds of churches? You know, the, the mud spitting church, you know, this is the way God works, deal with it, all right? And, and we, we, we tend to do that. We tend to put God in a box. If he does something one way, well, that's the way he does it, you know? And yet God shows how he can do it any way he wants, okay? And here he heals this man. And this man that's born blind can now see. And again, the irony is that, the rest of the story is about spiritual blindness. And, and, and we're set up with that when the disciples want to know, hey, what caused this to happen? You know, did the man sin? Did his parents sin? And Jesus says, it's not about that, okay? It's not about that at all. It's about me showing you what God can do in this man's life. I'm reminded of John chapter 1, verse 4, when it says that in him, meaning Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of of men. Jesus said he was the light of the world. He is the light of men. And yet, what is wrong with this world? John 3.19 says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. There's the rub. Go back to the beginning. Look at the Garden of Eden. Uh, what happened when Adam sinned? Did he die? Well, he didn't die physically that day. He lived many, many years. But he died spiritually that day. He was separated from God. When God came into the garden and called out his name, he hid from the Lord. What happened was the spiritual life went out of Adam. And as... Uh, and, and as John 1.4 says, the life of the Lord was the light of men. And I like the way Adrian Rogers put it. He says, when the Lord went out of Adam, the life went out. And when the life went out, the light went out. And that is true. But let's look at this miracle for a moment. There in verse 8, look at the reaction of this miracle by all the people that were around. First of all, his neighbors. In verse 8, his neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit begging? 
Some said he's the one. Others were saying, nobody looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. So they asked him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. So here are the the neighbors going, did you see this? Is this the guy that used to be begging? Oh, no, it just looks like him. And finally he goes, no, I'm the guy. And they're like, well, how did he do it? And he told them. And it wasn't good enough. They They were wanting more. Well, where is he? I don't know. And then you have the Pharisees. They're involved. Look, if you will, in verse 13. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. Remember, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. And the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. They're not going to like that. And then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. Now here... Uh, the Pharisees are wanting to know. They're upset because Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a day of rest. And uh, they, they said you can't work on the Sabbath, you have to rest. And the Pharisees went way overboard and beyond the commandment and began to define what work was. And it was a whole bunch of things. And so they got fanatical about what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And the fact that Jesus is doing good and healing people on the Sabbath, they're, they're so upset with him doing on the Sabbath that they can't appreciate, look what God did. He healed a man that was born blind. That's not even on their radar. They're upset that Jesus did something on the Sabbath. So finally, they go to his parents. Look, if you will, in verse 18. The Jews did not believe this about him that he was blind and received sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. They asked him, Is this your son? The one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he now sees and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of an age, he will speak for himself. And John writes that his parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. And this is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So the parents were really afraid to say anything. So they played it safe. They said, yeah, that's our son. Yep, he's born blind, but how he can see, we don't know. Ask him. And so what do they do? They finally go to the man himself that was blind that now can see. There in verse 24. A second time they summoned the man 
who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. See, they don't want to give Jesus credit for doing this work. And here's what the man says. He answered, Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Oh boy, that'll preach, won't it? One thing I know, I was blind, but now I can see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he said, I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. That's an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And then they said, you were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you're trying to teach us? And they threw him out. Wow. The religious leaders of the day were too full of pride to accept Jesus as Messiah. And here is a man born blind, and this is the second time they've talked to him. And he says, look, all I know is I was blind, but now I can see. Surely this man that healed me has to be from God because whoever heard of a man being born blind being healed and can see. And so he basically says he has to be from God. And then they go, how dare you lecture us? And they kick him out. Interesting story here. A man born blind that can finally see. But as we look at all the people involved, whether it's the neighbors the Pharisees, the parents, the formerly blind man uh, himself, the people that really wanted to know, the neighbors and the Pharisees, they kept asking the same question. How did he do it? And every time he told them the same thing. You know, he put some, he, he made some mud, he put it on my eyes, he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash it, and now I can see. Yeah, 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 but, but how did he do it? Repeat. Repeat, repeat. And, and, and the irony is, I like what Wearsby says. He says they're asking the wrong question. They shouldn't have asked how, but who? Who healed you? You see, we want to understand the mechanics of a miracle instead of trusting Jesus Christ who performed the miracle. And that still is an issue today. Now, the rest of the story is this. In verse 35, it says Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, we know that the Son of Man is a messianic uh, name, messianic title, and it's one that Jesus used to refer to himself. So he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. And Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, I believe, Lord. And he worshipped him. That's what I call a happy ending, right? 
not only did this guy get his physical uh, eyesight, but now he's got his spiritual vision. He's no longer blind to, uh, to sin in this world. He, he, he now has been changed and he's been saved and he realized who Jesus really is and he gives him his worship and his praise. We have a lot of people today in this world that are spiritually blind. And you can be spiritually blind sitting in that pew right there. You really can. Until you see your need for Jesus Christ. Until you see yourself in truth the way God sees you. Until you realize the, the severity of your condition. And you're moved to repentance and say, Oh Lord, I believe, forgive me. Then we remain in spiritual blindness. Do you realize this man grew in his understanding of who Jesus was? When he first met Jesus, he's just a man. A man that took the, 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 the time and the kindness to help him. Then they asked the, the man, you know, who, who did this? Well, the man named Jesus did this. Well, what do you think of him? I, I don't know. Maybe he's a prophet. And so he went from this man helped me to he's a prophet. And then he went from that to maybe he's a man of God. He has to be from God to be able to do something like this, right? Maybe he's a man of God. And then finally, when Jesus comes to him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Messiah? Yes, who is he, sir, that I may believe him? And he says, you've seen him. You're even talking to him right now. And he says, Lord, I believe. See, his understanding of Jesus went from a man, a prophet, a man of God, to the Son of God, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord. And when you and I begin to understand that Jesus Christ is more than just a man, that He is more than just a prophet, that He is more than just a man of God, when we realize that He truly is the one and only begotten Son of God who left earth, uh, to, uh, who left he uh, heaven to come to earth, and He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that we deserve. He rose from the grave on the third day, proving that He really is the Son of God. He appeared to many over a course of 40 days. He ascended to heaven, and one of these days He's coming back. And I want to tell you, He is the Son of God. Revelation says He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at the last part here in John 9, 39. Jesus begins to comment about this whole matter. Not really sure who the audience is at this point, but here's what he says. Jesus says, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see. And those who do see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things. And they asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? And Jesus told them, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. As one commentator said, if they would have acknowledged their spiritual darkness 
they would have come to Jesus for forgiveness of their sin. But by claiming to possess spiritual sight, they were blind to their true condition, and so they remained in their sinful state. How sad and how true. When you look at how this story all ends, you have a blind beggar that finally sees the light. And yet you have a group of proud Pharisees that are full of pride and remain in darkness. There's a picture there, isn't there? When you and I stand before God, what will it be like for us? You know, the Bible talks about spiritual blindness. Paul, the apostle, talked about it. What's what's ironic to, to Paul, the apostle, that he would talk about spiritual blindness is because if you know Paul's story, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a very religious man. He was zealous for the law of God. He was convinced that these Christians, these followers of the way, he was convinced they were all wrong. And so he made it his mission to prosecute them and persecute them. One day he had marching orders from the high priest. He was on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to round up some Christians and prosecute them and put them in jail. And on the road to Damascus, he was blinded by a light from heaven. And he lost his eyesight for a short period of time. And the risen, glorified Christ appeared to him and spoke to him. And finally, they led Paul by the hand. And a man named Agabus, who was a prophet, the Lord spoke to and said, I need you to go to to Saul. He's, He's a changed man. And he went to him, and he baptized him. And after Paul was baptized, he was able to see again. And not only did he have physical sight, he had spiritual vision. He realized that he was wrong, that he'd been doing the wrong thing all his life. And he realized that Jesus really is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he'd been given a second chance. And from that day forward, Saul became Paul. The one who persecuted Christians was now a Christian. And if you look at his testimony, his ministry, and his life, he was He was persecuted as a Christian a lot. He knew the price of following Jesus. And Paul talks about spiritual blindness in his second letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 4, and listen to what he says. He says, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, there's some people that just don't see it. They just don't get it. And he says, in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Remember that in creation? has shown in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The same God who spoke light into existence in creation speaks light and life in our hearts through recreation, the new birth. And so I want to encourage you today, if you see this, then I want to say this, God's speaking to you. If you see the realization that I am a sinner and I am lost and I am separated from God unless I come to Him and He saves me. He's my only hope. He is the true Son of God. I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories you hear me say from time to time when Jesus told a parable about someone that trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. He said two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven. He kept striking his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know what Jesus said about these two men? He said, I tell you, this one went down to the house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, that, uh, that tax collector publican that wouldn't even look up to heaven that smote his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He was saved that day. And the other man, a religious man full of pride, his prayers were bouncing off the ceiling and coming back down. He wasn't talking to God. He was telling God how great he was. And God says, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled someday. You know, we live in a world today where a lot of times we're more concerned about our image and our reputation than who we really are before God. And I want to tell you that one day we'll all stand before God. And if we exalt ourselves, He says you'll be humbled. But if we humble ourselves, we'll be exalted. And that humbling happens in this life. Whenever you come to the moment, whenever you come to the point to where you realize that you are a sinner, and you need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, and you can come to Him just as you are, He will not turn you away. He will save you right there. And you will have all of eternity to be thankful and to be grateful. Jesus is God's light for your darkness. He's the light of the world. He is the life in men. Too many people are walking around today. They lost a life. The light has gone out. And they're walking in darkness. Only Jesus, the light of the world, can change. He's the only one that can change you or me. So today we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of response. And I want to encourage you, if God is speaking to you right now, if you realize your need for a Savior, don't put it off another moment. Don't waste another week or another day or another month or another year. But if God is speaking to you, now is the time to respond to Him. The Bible says today is the day of salvation.
In other words, when God speaks to you, He wants to, he wants to get a message to you right now. And when's the time to respond to Him? Right now. When you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, the Bible says. Because today is the day of salvation. Don't tune Him in. Don't turn Him off. Don't walk away. Let's stand. We're going to have a time of prayer. And it's my prayer that God will speak to each and every person and have His way in your life. Father, we come before You right now. We just pray that Your will would be done in our lives. Lord, we pray that You would speak to each and every heart. Father, we pray that we'll be able to walk out of this place today and say, Lord, I once was blind, but now I see. Lord, I pray that You'll give some vision to people today. Lord, I pray there'll be some folks that will be able to realize for perhaps the first time that you, Lord Jesus Christ, are more than a man. You're more than a prophet. You're more than a man of God. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the only mediator between God and man, the only name under heaven whereby people can be saved. So, Father, I pray, have your will and your way right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.